Welcome back everyone to another episode of MindSync. My name is Natalia, I will be your host, and today I'm going to be reflecting about the past year. Happy Halloween everyone, I love Halloween. I think that you can sense it on my voice that Halloween, it is my favorite holiday. Technically, it's not a holiday, I know, and a lot of people don't like it because of their religious beliefs, which I accept and I respect, but Halloween to me is a perfect holiday. I love it. We love Halloween. In this house, we go all out. We've gone all out every year, and this year is the exception. (laughs) So this year, because of COVID, we won't be able to go trick-or-treating. Liverpool is on the highest tier of lockdown in UK because our cases are pretty high so we're not allowed to mix with anyone and we're not allowed to go trick-or-treating and if we do we could be fined a thousand pounds so this year I said to the children so sorry no trick-or-treating but they went off to their dads for the weekend so they're going to be doing something with him because my ex-husband is also a big Halloween fan And I know that he's going to do something special for the boys. I'm sure about that. And we've been doing, you know, we've been on the holiday spirit at the house. So we began October 1st with Angel's birthday. He turned 10 people. He's 10 years old. I can't believe it. I cried so much that day. Oh God, because my baby, my firstborn, 10 years old, I can just, everything is flying. So since then, we've just been doing Halloween things in the house. So we've done the pumpkin carvings, we've done paintings, we've put them decorated the windows, we've done cupcakes, we've talked about Halloween, we've watched some Halloween movies. So it's all been about Halloween. Angel obviously is very sad that he's not gonna be able to go trick-or-treating because we've done that every single year and he just loves it because obviously you know he got it from me and from his dad we love halloween so now we're looking forward to christmas and angel has been asking to set up the tree as soon as halloween is over so if it was up to him we will be setting up the tree on sunday because it's november 1st but i'm going to see how much i can hold that off Although, I have to say, I usually put up the tree the first week of November, so he's not way off. And I know I'm crazy. I just have a high love for holiday, and my holiday spirit goes all out. Like, I, I seriously go all out for the holidays. Um, so, yeah, it is a weird time, you know, it's COVID is in between. We were meant to travel to Florida to spend Christmas and New Year's with my family. That has been called off because obviously we don't know what's going to happen um and it's just we can't even meet with family here in uk because everywhere you know we have different tiers in different areas of uk so we're in tier three london is in tier two so we have family in london from my partner's side and we won't be able to do that either because they're high risk and it's just awful but i'm trying to keep the spirits high for the boys because it's been already too hard on angel this whole pandemic and he has been getting depressed about it so i'm just trying to keep it all happy place at least here in the house you know it, it might be awful out there but in these four walls we're just going to keep it the same keep up the spirit 
the love for Christmas and we'll just move forward. He's always loved Christmas. He starts singing Christmas songs in July, which I sometimes want to kill him because it just reminds me that, yeah, well, it's basically half of the year is already gone and then I have to start saving for Christmas. But it's the spirit and I love that about him. I love that he loves holidays like me and it's something that we can share and, and it's amazing. So I just wanted to emphasize how much we love the holidays because last year on Halloween, we've got the official diagnosis for Kalel. And believe it or not, that was awful. I always said it ruined Halloween for me. And I wanted to do this podcast today because it's quite emotional for me that it's been already a year that my child has received his diagnosis. And it's been difficult. It's been really, really hard for all of us. If you heard my first podcast, you probably heard that when we've got the diagnosis, we were asked to come in. We didn't know exactly what was the appointment for. We came in, um, I was in there with my sister-in-law and Kalel, and their dad was there as well. And basically they said to us, um, this is to officially diagnose your child. He ticked all the boxes on the checklist. Um, there's nothing else to do from us. Here's some pamphlet or some photocopy of the services in Liverpool, which by the way, was outdated. Um, and off you go, good luck. There's nothing else that we can do. So we were left like, okay, so what do we do now? So I left that place in tears. I was just crying and crying and crying. My ex, I remember he just walked down the corridor without saying a word, nothing. And at that point, I was so pissed off at him. I was so mad because he didn't have a reaction. And I was like, how can you not be sad about this? How can you not be crying? How can you not be upset? How can you not react at all? And I was so mad at him for not reacting. A year later, I understand exactly why he didn't react and how hard it was on him, his diagnosis, because it was something that when we got the diagnosis, it was like all our dreams were crushed. Everything was just thrown in the bin, everything, all our dreams and hopes, everything that we thought Kalel was going to be in the future, all the play dates that we thought that he was going to have, all the Christmas plays and the singing and talking, everything was gone. And they just left us like, they're like nothing. Like he didn't have any value. Like, oh yeah, you got a diagnosis. What are you expecting? Basically that's what it felt. So he didn't have a reaction. I cried. And that's when our story began. Because what happened is I've always knew there was something different about Kalel. And he wasn't speaking. He was biting. He was doing all the, the, the regular characteristics of an autistic child. But deep down, I was like, oh, maybe it's just a learning difficulty. Maybe he's just delayed. Maybe this, maybe that. And when they give you that diagnosis, basically it's like, Nope, you were wrong. He's autistic. Screw you. That's how it felt. And all my hopes and all my dreams were just away, as I said. And that's when my journey actually began. Because, yes, I was searching and I was going to courses and I was taking it all in. But in my head, it's like, 
it was sort of like, yeah, I'm taking all this in because it's going to help me with my child, although he's not autistic. He may have a delay, but he's not autistic. That was in my head before the diagnosis. And then after the diagnosis, it's like, no, I have to do these courses because my child is autistic and my child needs this help. So it was a roller coaster for us. But since then, what changed? How's it been? So that Halloween last year, Kenel was very cute. He was wearing his Paw Patrol um, costume, Chase, because Paw Patrol was a big thing back then. We would just watch Paw Patrol all day long, all night long, all the time. And we were walking around with Angel and his cousins and his uncle and his auntie and we were just all together trick-or-treating with all the children. And Kalel observes a lot. He likes to observe how things are done. And he realized that all the children were going to the door and getting candies, getting sweets. And immediately that day, Kalel just let go of my hand and went to a door, knocked on the door and just waited for his candies. And that was, that was a milestone for us. That was a breakthrough. It was so beautiful to see that he was so independent that he took the lead, that he let go of my hand and that he went on and did that. Because what it did for me, and I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. What it did for me, it showed me that he was going to be able to do all these things and that he was going to be able to accomplish everything in life that I had dream and hope for him and that they weren't crushed and thrown away in the garbage as I thought when I got the diagnosis. So he loved it. He loved trick-or-treating because obviously which child doesn't like trick-or-treating? They love going into someone else's door and getting candies for free. That's the ultimate thing besides Christmas, you know? So. He loved it and after he, we trick-or-treated, um, it was raining, it was cold, so we decided to go to McDonald's, treat the children with McDonald's and it was beautiful, you know, he got to enjoy with his cousins, with his brother, with me, um, he was so happy and, and it was beautiful to see because there it was, there it was that he was able to observe and learn and copy other people's behavior and eventually you know go on with life and it was so funny because after the first door he was just going from door to door and if they wouldn't open in within seconds of him knocking he would just go away and go to the next door and i would have to bring him back to that door and it was just it was really funny it was it was very unique and it was very it was a precious precious moment so since then you know kind of has been up and down up and down up and down um as every other autistic child um, we have great times we have great runs and then we have really bad runs so we've gone through oh, so many things um, we've gone through him not sleeping throughout the night at all and then getting medication for him and him sleeping through the night and when I was getting used to him be sleeping through the night he went back to not sleeping through the night and it's been up and down. We are going now through a run of not sleeping. His medication was um, increased by the doctor. Medication is not working. We believe it's because of the lack of exercise and activities and I will get 
to that point in, in a minute. Um, we're introducing more sensory. We've done lots of speech and language therapies. So we've increased everything, what we're doing. We're tr we've been trying different things through the past year. We've tried PEX, Makaton, which is sort of like a British sign language, um, objects of reference, communication cards, communication boards, vocalizing, intensive interaction. We've gone through all the OT that could possibly help him with vestibular input, linear vestibular, proprioception, interoception, all the tactile, the oral, the sight. And when we think that we're managing one of his sensory, that we're balancing something, we realize that there's something else going on or something new coming up. We've also gone through a year of tests. So he was presenting sort of what it seemed to be um, absence episodes, which that could mean that he was having um, seizures and we didn't know. So we went through EEGs, um, appointments with a neurologist, having him scanned. It's been a lot. He had testing done, which taking blood from a child, from a child, it's hard. And I know how hard that is because I've done it. I am a certified phlebotomist and in Canada, I worked at Sick Children Hospital. And I know how hard it is to take blood from a child, but to take blood from an autistic, high sensory processing difficulty child, that is hard work. We had to do it in four. So we had two nurses, the phlebotomist and myself, just to keep Kalel on his seat to be able to draw blood from him. And that experience was horrible so so much it was that horrible that now we just drive by the hospital and he starts crying because he was traumatized by the events and every time we have to go to the hospital for any given reason he just starts crying and starts having a meltdown because he just remembers that horrible time so we've been through dentistry, urologist, neurologist, um, pediatrician, speech and language, um, occupational therapist, a dietitian, nutritionist, um, genetic testing. We've gone through everything in, in just a year, which I am so thankful. I am so thankful with the healthcare system in this country because they have been absolutely amazing with us. I have no complaint and honestly all the work that the NHS have done um, for my child, for all the children that I know and all the work that they have done, they're doing now in, with this pandemic is absolutely magnificent. I am in awe to them and if there's anyone that you want to donate money, I would highly, highly, highly um, suggest that you make a donation to the NHS because the work that they do, it is absolutely brilliant. If you want to donate money, make sure that you you do it to the NHS or, the, or you do it to Hay Hospital, which there are the children hospital in Liverpool, helping all the children. I love Kalel's team because they have been absolutely amazing. So besides all the medical that has surrounded Kalel for the past year, We've worked a lot with the schools because obviously his education is one of the main important things for me. So with the school, it's been, again, a wave of ups and downs, ups and downs. And we have here something called um, EHCP, which is an educational healthcare plan. 
So what the EHCP does is the local authorities, in this case the Liverpool City Council, will send an educational psychologist to do an assessment of the child in school and that educational psychologist will observe and try to engage with the child and then will put up a, a report noting the what the person has seen and what is the advice moving forward. So in order to get that EHCP assessment, you have to make an application, you have to send supporting documents. And if you have followed me on Instagram for the past two years, you might have seen all my rants about the EHCP. Kalel's EHCP got referred back twice, so for assessment. Last time I got really upset because they declined on doing an assessment because we were missing one report. One report, we sent out 108 pages of medical reports and supporting documents about Kalel. And then they decided that Kalel didn't need an EHCP. We're talking about a child that is non-verbal and that has high sensory processing needs. But at that point, he still hadn't had his, his diagnosis. So the last time that he got rejected was, I think, a month before his actual diagnosis. So we, I appealed that immediately, and as soon as I got the diagnosis, I said, well, he has a diagnosis now of ASD. He needs an assessment. So we finally got an assessment, and the educational psychologist came last January to see Kalel. Obviously, the minute she saw him, we all realized, and she realized, of all the needs that Kalel has. So she immediately wrote down the report, and that got sent off. So with the EHCP, once you get a, uh, you get a draft of what's going to be put into place for your child. An EHCP is a legal binding document. It is a document that the school has. They have to apply it. They have to do the accommodations and they have to do the structure and everything that it has been advised on the EHCP. They have to do it. There's no way. And for that, the local authority will give the school extra funding in case they need to hire, you know, a, a, an assistant for a one-to-one or if they need more equipment or if they need books or if the child needs a tent or a swing or more sensory toys. So that funding, it is meant to go to the child, to the child's needs and to make sure that the school is doing everything in their power to accommodate the child's needs and support that EHCP plan. Because what it does is that that EHCP will have targets of what we, the the ed psychologist and the local authority will expect that child to be doing in a year from now, in two years from now, in three years from now. And that EHCP gets reviewed every year. Without an EHCP plan, you cannot apply for a specialist provision. So we all knew Kalel needed specialist provision. And a specialist provision, I mean a special needs school. School agreed with me. I always said that he needed one. His old teacher from his nursery agreed that he needed a specialist provision. So I named a specialist provision when the EHCP was being done. Because what they do is that the local authority will send the EHCP plan to all the specialist provisions and they will say, yes, we can meet the child's needs or we cannot meet their needs. So we sent it out and when we got the EHCP plan back, which this was in July, so think about the time from January to July, mid-pandemic, they said that the child could cope by being in a mainstream school. 
could cope by staying in the school that he is at the moment. I wasn't very happy about it, but we were in the middle of the pandemic. I had already seen all the struggles that Kalel was going through because of the changes. I actually wrote a blog for um, Culture Liverpool that you can find a link on my Instagram and my Facebook page in which I spoke about parenting two children with additional needs during lockdown. And I saw all the difficulties and how hard it was for Kalel. And because everything was very unknown, I decided that it was in the best interest for Kalel to remain another year in school, in the same school. I just didn't want to give him another change with everything that was going on already. Because once he was already settled in school, pandemic came in and schools are closed. And then he spent six months at home. So I just wanted to give him some sort of stability. And I, and I thought, you know what? No, it's best if Kalel stays in the school. I run this by the Senko and the Senko was really happy to say that, you know, they will be delighted and happy to have Kalel in school because they love Kalel, they love Angel, they've known Angel since year one, they already had spent a whole year with Kalel and that they were being able to meet his needs, they had um, transformed a classroom which it, it became a nurturing room for Kalel and all the other children with special needs. So everything was going great. Everything was going absolutely perfect. Kids were able to go back to school even before the summer break, during the pandemic when we had the hubs, because Kyle was becoming very distressed at home and self-harming. And it was wonderful. Everything was going absolutely amazing. And then September came and that went all to hell. Honestly, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it went that bad. I don't know what happened in those six weeks that the kids were off school for summer holidays. That when Kalau came back to school, the second day I got called to pick him up because he was biting staff members. And since then, it's just been complete hell. Kalau has gone from going every day to school from nine to three to now being excluded. And he can only attend school from nine to half 12. He has been aggressive towards children and staff in which I understand that the the stand of the school that they have to protect the other children. What I am upset about is the fact that that nurture group, that nurture room was meant to be, you know, mainly for Kalao and it was created because of Kalao. And then after they introduced a lot of children to the classroom, they decided that Kalao could not longer be there. So basically it feels like, oh yeah, Kalau was the reason to this, but we he he has no more use to us, so let's just move on. And I am very upset with the school because of this. I do understand that they have to take into consideration the safeguarding of the children, and I am a hundred percent on that. Because obviously, as a parent, I don't want my child to go to a school and then come back bitten by another child. So I Honestly, I am 100% on their side when it comes to that. I'm just not 100% on their side on how they handle stuff and how they ended up excluding my child from school. So everyone else can still attend school except Kalel. With that came the fact that I needed an emergency review of his plan so we could name schools again and try to place him into a specialist provision. So now we are in the middle of that fight. So we've done the, the emergency review. Emergency review has been done. We've got the educational psychologist back in, in school. This was another, another one which made amendments to the original reports. Not amendments, but she added 
things to the addition to the original report in which she states that Kalel needs a specialist provision. She it, she doesn't say it in those words, but she does state that he needs a classroom uh, with small amount of children. He needs a one to one support um, and supervision all the time because he has no sense of danger. Um, it explains all his difficulties with sensory and that he needs an occupational therapist on site. So all this has been very clear. And we got the great news that yes, Kalau has been has been awarded the fact that he can go to a specialist provision. So I was really happy about that because, and I cried so much, it's been two years of fighting for this. It's been two years of me knocking on every single door, going to endless meetings for Kalau to attend a specialist provision. So we finally got the okay, but now, we can't find a school because all the schools in Liverpool are full. And we don't know whether it is that they cannot commission a place for him or whether it is the fact that they cannot meet his needs. So we are in the process of all this and we're just waiting and waiting and I'm patiently, not so patiently waiting and just hoping that Kalia will be able to attend a specialist provision before Christmas. First, because that child needs to go to school. He needs to have a routine. He needs to be in a place where he's going to be understood, where he's going to be loved, where he's going to be cherished, and where he's going to be supported to thrive, to learn, to speak, to communicate. Second, I need him to go to school. I'm going insane. I'm honestly going insane in this house with Kalel for so many hours. I get, don't get me wrong, I love my child and I know that he loves me, but I know that what I have at home is not enough for him. It's not enough for the amount of hours that he's spending here at home. He needs to spend a chunk of his day in a place where he's going to be taught by professionals. I'm not a professional and I'm biased, you know, I, and, and I'm on his side. So I push him, obviously I push him to do things better, but he reacts differently with me than he does with teachers because he knows that most of the time I end up caving in and he needs, you know, a place where he can jump and run and do stuff. And it's been the house for so long. It's been the house for the entire pandemic. It's been the house now after school. The weather is horrible here. One minute it's raining, one minute the sun comes out, and the next minute it's raining again. So we can't even go out for a walk because he's gonna end up getting wet. I don't want them to get sick because if they get sick, they get sent home because of COVID. And then we have to go through testing and we've done it. And it's horrible to do a test on Kalel. It is horrible for us as parents and it's absolutely an awful experience for him as a child with sensory needs. Putting a swab inside the nostril, I mean, I thought that that child was just going to hate me for the rest of his life the last time that we did it. And the last time that we did it, it was two weeks ago because Kalel had a cough and he got sent home together with Angel. So I can't afford for them to get sick because I can't afford for Angel to be missing school either. And yes, they sent schoolwork for the house, but it's not the same. I can't sit down with 
angel as much as I want to to teach him stuff because Karel is bouncing up and down and asking for my attention. Angel needs that interaction with other children in school and he learns better at school. For the simple fact that Angel has his own needs and for him, home is home, school is school. There is not mixing in between. If he's home, it means that he's not in school and it means that he shouldn't be doing schoolwork. And we're trying to change that mentality that even though he's not in school, he still needs to do homework. But it's hard and it's hard on him and it's hard on me because he gets so frustrated and he starts crying when he can't write or when he can't spell. And I start getting so frustrated because he can't do it and we end up both of us crying. So it doesn't work. It is a massive thing. So it's been a hectic, difficult year because not only we've got the diagnosis and we came to that realization that Kalel is autistic, it's also the fact that we had the pandemic right in, in the middle and it's nowhere to be the end of it. It's, it's, I don't know how long this is going to last and we're trying to, you know, adapt to the new way of life. But Kalel needs a specialist provision. So that's where we're standing at the moment. However, with everything that has been going on, we've been working really hard with Kalel. We've um, installed a swing at home for him to have some linear vestibular input. I renovated, I redecorated his room and I made it a sensory room and a sensory bedroom where he has glow-in-the-dark lights and he has um, mirrors and tactile and then he has his trumpet and his peanut ball and so we are constantly you know doing tactile and oral and all sorts of stimulation to have him settled and all this has it has worked because last week and this was just beautiful Kalel said cookie so he has four words or three words that he will always say which is mama papa coco those are his words he knows what they mean and he used them in context. But we have been with Mama, Papa and Gogo for the past four years. It hasn't changed, it hasn't evolved. And lately we've noticed that he's been vocalizing a lot. He's been making lots of new sounds. He's been screaming a lot as well. Um, he's been, you know, saying things. And when he lays down on the sofa, he starts saying Mama, he will not just say Mama, he will say it with different tones um he was eating an apple for example the day he kept looking at the apple and he would go like mama 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 oh mama 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 and it, it was so funny because it sort of felt like he was having a conversation with the apple saying the same exact word but with different tones so clearly he was communicating something obviously it's hard for us to know what because it's not clear to us but we were in the kitchen and he grabbed my hand, he pulled it towards the, uh, the cabinet where I have all the cookies, biscuits, and he asked me to open it. So I opened it and he saw the cookies and he went, he looked at me, he said, cookie. I just stood there like, what? Did you just say cookie? And I, and, and I looked at him and I'm like, Kalel, did you just say cookie? Did you just say that? And he just looked at me and I'm like, this? And he looked at me again and he said, again, cookie. I cried so much. I called my ex-husband. I called my partner. I called my mother. I called everyone to say, 
but he was he said the word he said cookie he said it in context he knew exactly what he wanted he showed it to me and he said it and since then cookie has become the fourth word so now we have mama papa coco and cookie so even though it, ha it has been a hard year for us um getting to know all his needs getting to adapt to all his needs i think that we now are starting to manage things the last puzzle piece that needs to be placed on is the specialist provision which i'm hoping it will happen soon but i'm pretty sure that once we have that place in a specialist provision kalel is just going to thrive kalel is going to go above and beyond because they have the professionals, they have the support, they, they know what they're doing with the children, and it's going to be just amazing. Kalel is a smart boy, he is really smart, although his cognitive age is of eight to 24th month old, he is very smart for also a five-year-old. He will do things that no other five-year-old will do, but then he won't do things that he's meant to be doing as a five-year-old and I think that's where it was hard for me to find that um, to understand that he looks big he's five but he doesn't function at that age and it was coming to terms with that it was coming to terms with a lot of things honestly it was coming to terms with you know um, the wording of my child when I got the diagnosis I would often say Kalel has autism Kalel has ASD and it wasn't until I started changing my language about his diagnosis that I started feeling better about it and now I always say same this is who he is so he doesn't have ASD he doesn't have autism he doesn't have sensory processing difficulties or global development today he is autistic he is a child with sensory processing difficulties he is Kalel with global developmental delays. This is who he is. His brain was shaped and grown like this. It's not an illness, it's not a disease. This is not going to be cured by a magic pill. We're just going to have to learn and progress with this, with who he is. The same way that my parents parented me and shaped me to be who I am today, I have to do the same with my child. Uh, it might be a different approach, it might be with different techniques. Um, my mother was very old school, if you know what I mean. So it's just different parenting, but this is who he is. This is his personality. This is, this is Kalel. This is Kalel. Kalel is autistic and I came to terms with that. It was really hard. It was really, really, really difficult to come to terms with that. Because it's not about giving the child a label, it's about understanding who that child is. Because when you think of a typical five-year-old, you think of the child being able to do certain things. But when you think of your child as having something, it's like it's going to go away at one point and then that my child is going to be typical. But if you think of your child as that's who they are then it opens up your mind i don't know if i'm explaining it right i don't know if i'm making myself clear and i apologize if i'm not but this is how i perceived it and how i have processed it in my brain because 
it was difficult when I got the diagnosis. I've, I've, I've said it before, my mental health went down the drain. I, I started having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And after going through months and months and months of therapy and working on myself and finding out why my anxiety attacks were, it was because I wasn't accepting the fact that my child is autistic. I was, not that I wasn't, uh, I'm struggling here now. It's not that I wasn't accepting who he was. I wasn't accepting with the label. That's what I was having difficulties with. I didn't want my child to be labeled as autistic, ADHD, SPD, I don't know, Asperger's, anything. I just didn't want my child to have that label. And that was was giving me, you know, the attacks and the uncertainty of not knowing what was going to happen because my child had this label now of being autistic. You know, and, and, and sometimes it still feels like it is a crime to have an autistic child because I have horrible neighbors. My neighbors are making my life impossible with my child because he screams and he cries and they can't tolerate that. Although they have children, they just can't tolerate that my child is different. So we have had complaints to the landlord. They knock on the walls. They will put loud music early in the morning just to mess up with us. They won't. Just the last thing, we set up the swing in the in the living room and I got called today because we set up the swing as being a hazard um, environment now. So they need to come and check that it, it is safe for the child, although I got it installed by a professional. So it's it's it still feels sometimes that it's a crime and that's why I was so worried about because this world is so cruel. It's not just my neighbors, there are so many people out there that are just close-minded, that are ignorant, that they can't accept that people are different and that they're going to try to make it a living hell for them and for their families and for their parents as my situation right now. But I have come to terms with all that. I have come to terms that the world is a cruel one and that's why I'm trying to do my best to make it a little bit better for our children and that my child is not labeled. My child is who he is because that's the way his brain is has developed. And it has taken a long time because it's the grief, it's the loss, it's the loss of that child that you thought you had but you don't. It's, And I think it is all because of how society, you know, puts everything into place as how you should feel or the milestones or the things that your child should be doing at that age or should be acting or behaving and if they're not they're being naughty they're being bad they've been it's bad parenting it's all your fault as a parent as a mother as a dad people don't understand what it's really like to be autistic or to have a child on the spectrum and I think that it's hard to come to terms with a diagnosis because you know that from that moment on you're gonna have to fight with the world to give your child what they needs for your child to be accepted for your child to be acknowledged for your child to have the same opportunities as other people and you know that it's going to be a fight all the way through and I've spoken about this with my partner and we know that this is not just something that 
it's gonna end anytime soon it's not going to end when he turns 18 it's not going to end when he turns 25 or 30 he's always going to need us he's always going to need a support system um, he needs to learn how to be independent and how to run in this world on his own because one day we're not going to be here but that's the thing is the pressure that society puts into the parents that makes everything so hard and that's why we need more acceptance we need more awareness we need more people getting in the field of teaching and being compassionate and having empathy about children with difficulties and shaping them to being amazing human beings in, in the future. And when you have people like my neighbors that they refuse to do something like that, it is so hard. It is disappointing. It is heartbreaking, especially when you know that your neighbor works at a specialist provision. And that's what's killing me at the moment. The fact that I know my neighbor works at a specialist provision and that my neighbor is deciding to be this cruel and this nasty with a five-year-old that is autistic and is nonverbal. But this is the world that we live right now. And I'm not going to let this break me. I'm not going to let this affect my child. And I'm going to allow my child to be who he is, whether people accept it or not. So this is what our year has been. It's been a roller coaster of ups and downs. It's been quite entertaining. There has been so many things and I honestly have to start writing things down, but a lot of them you can find them on my Instagram because it is so funny to see. He has progressed and he has developed so much. He has, he's made great jumps and it is lovely to see how how amazing he's doing and how amazing he's going to be. I mean, sometimes he's a little bit of a bully with Angel. Um, and Angel, he's such a sweet child that, you know, we have to start putting boundaries and say, no, you have to be nice to your brother and or just saying to Angel, no, because doesn't mean that because he's the youngest one that you can allow him to do this because he will come to Angel and take a sweet away and when Angel says, hey, you're taking my sweet, Kara will turn around and be like, hmm, and with a bad look into his face, and Angel just backs away like, okay, okay, never mind. So he's a little bit of a bully sometimes, and we have to teach him that that's not acceptable. So that's why we get a lot of the crimes and, and, and screams and sometimes self-harming because he can't get away with what he wants. And that is not... Uh, an autistic child that is a just a, that's a child they, they they throw tantrums and they are stubborn and they want to get away with stuff and when you don't let them they just throw themselves on the floor and starts crying and kicking about because you didn't allow them to do so that's any child doesn't mean because they're autistic or because they're not it is just a child behavior and this is where people need to understand that even if it's an autistic child or a child with ADHD or with sensory processing or Asperger's or whatever, they're still children. They will still act like children. So I am done with my rant. <laughs> now that this podcast has been an outlet for me to get off my chest everything that I've been just saving it. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been quite a roller coaster, but thank God, you know, 
even though it is a crazy world out there and that we're not being accepted by everyone, we do have a great support system. We do have friends that um, support us and help us. I have my my wonderful team at Leaf Pack that they're constantly checking on me, checking on the kids. We're constantly talking. The chair, Donna, she is a lovely person that is helping me through the whole struggles with the schools and navigating through the system. So we have a great support system. My partner is obviously amazing with the kids. Um, we've realized that Kalel behaves better with him than he does with me, just so you know. And you know, things with their dad, is, everything is working perfectly at peace. Um, we're pretty much aligned to what Kalel needs. It has taken us a very long time to get to this point, but I am so happy and so thrilled that we are at this point, that we both are needing his needs equally when um, they are here or when they're at his house. We're constantly communicating. We help each other out in anything and everything that we can. Um, if I need anything at home, he I'm currently without a car. So if I need pampers or if I need anything in a rush, he doesn't hesitate. He comes and helps me. Um, if he needs you know, to pick up the kids later or anything because of work, I move my schedule around. So we're working really well together with him. And his partner, she is absolutely amazing as well. She is really good with the kids. So everything is very aligned up to now I'm very happy about that because that's what Kalel needs Kalel needs all his households to be stable and aligned and with the same routines and with the same goals and all working together in harmony and that's the best way for our children because as I said they need routine they need uh, stability they need to feel loved they need to feel that there's harmony around the house because they can detect and 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 then because he can express anything, it leads into tantrums and meltdowns and cryings and yelling and self-harming and harming others. So we're just trying to keep it all very well maintained. So this is it from me today. I hope you all have a great Halloween. I know it's a very long podcast today. I needed to get everything out. I haven't done a podcast in a while and it's been because of all the struggles that we've been going on with Kalel and the school. So hopefully now that things are starting to get a little, when they start getting a little bit normal and he starts going to a specialist provision, I'll be able to do more podcasts um, more frequently. Also, I've been trying to have guests on the podcast, but due to the pandemic, we can't mix with households. So it's very hard for me to interview anyone. Um, unless we do it through Skype or telephone calls and then the sound quality is not very good and it, it isn't that feeling of podcasting. So for now, it's going to be me, um, but I have new projects coming up and especially I am thinking about transferring this podcast into a podcast in Spanish for all my Spanish speakers that are not bilingual and I have a lot of people that have asked me to do so because there are so many children in so many countries and I have this power to do it because I 
do speak Spanish. So I will be doing some podcasting as well in Spanish for all my Spanish community. Thank you very much for listening today. Again, hope you have a wonderful Halloween. Hope all the children around the world have a special day. Um, I know it's a hard one and it's difficult, but all my heart, all my love goes out to you. Again, if you want, you can follow us on Instagram at mindslink.liverpool. You can also follow me on Facebook at Mindslink. And if you have any question, if you want any information, if you want me to talk about anything in particular, you can email me at mindslink.liverpool at gmail.com. Next podcast, I will try to do about EHCP, going deep into what EHCPs are, how can parents across UK can access and can request an EHCP for their children. And I will be having a professional with me about all this because I don't want to give out wrong information. So I want this to come from someone that knows exactly how it's done, what it is and how you can access it. So hopefully that will be the next podcast. And I will also have a teacher that has discovered his love for ASD and special needs education through Kadal's eyes. So thank you very much. I'll, hopefully I will see you all soon. Have a wonderful day. Be safe. Be kind. Spread out the word of autism awareness and just tell people to be accepting of others. Stay safe and I will see you guys soon.